You're listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast with your host, Johnny D, the motivational cowboy. 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 As a motivational speaker, Johnny D impacts audiences around the world with his message of living the outstanding life. He's a best-selling author, MC, and two-time Grammy-considered artist. This podcast is a place where Johnny D can introduce you to his outstanding friends and share funny, interesting, and heart-provoking stories. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up. Here comes your host, Johnny D. Hey everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. I am pumped up about today's show. I tell you what, you know that I bring the coolest guest into the show, man, and today is going to be like none other. I can promise you that. Today's show is with Jason Waller. Uh, He's going to share his story from trailer park, high school dropout, no college, and teen dad to becoming a CEO of a billion dollar company. Man, I tell you what, Jason, are you there, buddy? How are you doing? Outstanding, man. I tell you what, uh, just so you know, I got my my buddy Brian in the house. Uh, Great to be here again. I'm getting used to this, so I'm glad to be here. (laughs) I tell you what. Hey, this uh, is a cool setup you guys got here. My stuff's not as as fancy and as cool as this. I'm going to have to learn something from you guys here. This is a cool (laughs) game. Hey, Jason, just so you know, um, Brian is a school teacher right here in uh, Rochester, right? Yeah, Michigan. Yeah, so uh, we went to high school together, and uh, and now we, uh, again, we've uh, been friends, and he uh, co-hosts the show with me once in a while. So uh, this guy, like, runs, like, uh, Ironman competitions and stuff like that. So just a great guy, and I want to... Welcome, Brian, to the show as well. Thanks for having me, and I'm excited to meet Jason today. So, Jason, hey, listen, Brian, hey, Brian, thanks for being a teacher, dude. Man, we we love that stuff. Thank you. We, oh, we appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yes, uh, the kids need us. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jason, listen, man. I mean, you talk about a um, just a great story. You built several companies from scratch into multi million dollar companies. Your current company, uh, Power Home Solar, ranked among the top 100 companies in 2019 Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Um, Man, your self-made success came from hustle, heart, and toughness. I don't even know where to start today, but I know I got 50 minutes with you and I am pumped up. So first, I want to ask, what were you like as a kid? Uh, well, I was not the same, obviously, (laughs) but, uh, you know, my old man's from Ferndale, Michigan. So obviously I've got some roots here in Michigan and he's had that us versus the world mentality. He's a hard worker and a blue collar guy. And, uh, my mom was from North Carolina. They had three wonderful kids and we were raised in Arizona till I was about 14. And then my dad stayed with AT&T and transferred. He had an opportunity to open a business. And he didn't. And he stayed with AT&T. And, you know, he we moved in North Carolina and he grinded hard, worked multiple jobs. I helped him with jobs, but it was different. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, uh, I was just looking at some pictures a buddy of mine sent from middle school. So it's like 27 years ago. Uh, I, I'm about this big around and I thought I was a gangster and all my friends were Vatos Locos forever. I used to watch all those West Coast, you know, movies. But, uh, yeah, I mean, back then I was grinding a little bit too. I was shooting dice at school, thought I was cool. I'd loaded <laughs> dice. And, uh, my dad's friend had a video store. I was 14 working a job there 
uh, making money so I can pay for my pager because my parents didn't have a lot of money. So they <laughs> were going to pay for the pager. I had to work. You're showing all of our age there, yeah, Jason. Yeah. You're showing our yeah. age. <laughs> yeah. Pagers were cool, though. Like, I remember a time, my 60, I have four kids, and my uh, daughter, Mackenzie, just got her license yesterday. And I'm like, make <laughs> wow. sure you keep your 360 on, and I know where you're at. You're texting, you're calling. But I'm sitting here thinking, when I had my license, there wasn't anything. I had a pager <laughs> and I would have to go stop at a payphone and put a quarter in and call my parents and be like, this is where I'm at. And it was just different. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely showing our age. So, so listen, is it, I, I read a story um, last night. Um, I mean, I, I just couldn't get enough of your stories. I, I helped my daughter yesterday. I, was, I called Brian. I was ha- helping my daughter paint some rooms in her new house and I hate painting, hate it. Oh. But I, I was it. listening to your podcasts and getting to know you a little bit. And um, I, I, I painted her house, Brian and Jason, because of the memory. Mm-hmm. She'll always remember dad not paying a guy, but helping her paint. You know what I mean? And, so it, it was kind of like one of those true. cool dad Just moments. Just the visual you doing a ceiling paint with your T-shirt popping up and everything looking like, <laughs> I think that would be worth it. Was, was it a belly shirt or a half shirt? <laughs> <laughs> No, but listen, I, I, I heard a story. In, 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 um, were you really bullied for wearing some fake Tommy Hilfiger oh, uh, yes. shirts yes. Or, or jeans or something like that? Yes. <laughs> uh, so Tell me the story. We, I got to hear it. Yeah. So when we, we moved to North Carolina, my mom was from North Carolina. My dad transferred. Uh, we moved into a trailer park called Southbrook. And I never lived in a trailer before in Arizona where we grew up. We lived in a, it, it, I would say it's a little less than middle class. Maybe, you know, it's not poverty or projects, but it was not middle class. But the neighborhood next to us was middle class. We always wanted to be in that neighborhood. When we moved to North Carolina, it was the trailer park. I didn't know any different. I thought that was, eh, it's no big deal. At school, it was a big deal. They'd be like, oh, you live in Southbrook? Oh, you live in the trailer park? So there was a lot of judgment in North Carolina. And my grandma, uh, my mom's mom, worked at a flea market in Elkin, North Carolina. And we would go up there and I'd buy fake Tommy Hilfiger from the swap meter flea market. And I, I mean, dude, my parents would buy it for me. It was like 10 bucks and you get this Tommy Hilfiger sweater that looked like it may have came from Nordstrom or back then or, or Sears, but didn't. And I would wear it to school and I would, yeah, people would say stuff and make fun of me. And, uh, you know, it was, it was hard. In North Carolina, a lot of people come from the Northeast that sell their homes and then they have a little money in their pocket that they've never had before. And they're like, I- I'm just stating facts. So everybody in the South that <laughs> listens to this, the people born in the South, they're okay. The people from the North that go to the South, they are a little different because they feel entitled and they're very judgmental of other people because they think that they've really earned their money by selling a house that was worth 10 times more in New York and moving to North Carolina. You didn't earn anything. You got lucky. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, that, that mentality there of judgment and measurable, you know, who are you? Where do you live? What do you drive? What are you wearing? That That's still there in North Carolina today as an adult. Um, I yep. flow better here in Michigan because I feel like people are more real. I'm friends with several entrepreneurs, Brian Elias being one of them. He's my CEO coach. Good friend. People might remember him from Hanson's Windows. He's uh, a great dude. I met him by circumstance because of my car at the gym, we ended up being really good friends and he's a mentor of mine. And I've got other friends that, you know, uh, live paycheck to paycheck and struggle and and rent an apartment and they're all the same. Whether you have a lot of money, you have a little money, the people here, it's about being real and it's the same and there's not judgment and you can love and have relationships differently 
I'm not knocking North Carolina, but that, and I go back and forth six months there, six months here, uh, that there's a problem there in the South uh, of, a, of where it's it's been tainted and it's not like that. It's always a lot of jealousy, a lot of secretive, a lot of judgment. And you don't get that in Michigan, in my opinion. People are like, oh, that's not true. My opinion, my experience, I have friends all over the board. Yep. Um, and I love each one of them the same. They love me the same. Our wives, I mean, it's all... And you, we don't, you don't even pay attention to who they are, what they have, what they do. It's about being real. And I, I, that's what I loved about Detroit, New York. There are certain places in the world that's us versus the world mentality. Yeah. That's what I love about place. I, I feel like I belong here because it's kind of my upbringing. You know, the true underdog podcast I've got, that's what it's about. It's about, you know, you know, take, you know, going against the grain and taking, you know, the big companies on or taking, that the bullies on or taking the chance on or the business on and doing something. And that's, I feel at home in that element here with people. Yeah. Brian, I, I know, I know you have something to say, but I got one, I got one yeah. quick question. Listen, man, being from North Carolina, I've done a lot of work out of, you know, the Charlotte area, Morrisville being around the whole NASCAR scene and stuff like that. Uh, when you moved to North Carolina, did you end up being a NASCAR fan? Okay, so my wife, <laughs> her family was into racing. Uh, her dad, um, back a long, long, long time ago when she was you know, less than 10 years old, used to go to the races all the time. They owned land out there by Charlotte Motor Speedway. So when I moved there, I liked it for a couple of years when Earnhardt raced. I liked yep. his attitude. I thought this is cool. After he passed, I really wasn't into it. It bored me. Uh, we, I lived in Concord, North Carolina. So you're from there. It's where I lived from 94 to 2000. Uh, 12. Then I moved to Mooresville. So I lived over there in the point. Yep. And then I moved over to Davidson. We have a house in Davidson now, and then a house in Birmingham. So I'm familiar with all those areas. You said I'm friends with some of the race car drivers, good guys. They have a different personality than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the newer Northern money. And you know what I'm talking about that yeah. comes from the North to the South. And it's a little different. That's the, where I struggled. Yep, I love it, and I know Brian. Brian's itching because um, Brian, oh, you, no, you, itching, you, Brian. you, you kind of had the same story, though. I mean, and, and when I when I told you Jason was going to be on the show, you're like, you're reading some of the stuff about him, and you're like, dude, our, I've lived this. Our, I, I grew up in a trailer park. Our beginning was very. I I I can one up you on the thing though that someone had the brilliant idea though while I lived in a trailer park to send me to a private school where obviously they had That's money. Where we met. So I got jumped off on a bus where you know from the oh, public school. So it, yeah. it was it was painful. But I also wanted to say, do you remember? You know. Forget the Tommy Hilfiger. Did you ever pull off wearing parachute pants? <laughs> yes, dude, I, I did that off pretty well. I had I love the MC Hammer pants. I, I had three of those bad boys. All right. Those are great pants, right there. I and look, I'm it. wearing a Biggie shirt right now, and the question always comes: Is it Biggie or Pac? And uh, I like Pac because I'm from Arizona, but I'm sp- supporting Biggie today. We All had right. some sales managers in the office today, so um, yeah, you know, I, I I used to wear the the MC Hammer pants. Uh, the purple filas, uh, oh, that, yeah. you know, anything I can get that, that would make me at least somewhat be cool. I was, <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I love this. I, I- when I read this, I you know I thought of um, the way that I created my business 23 years ago, and that was you know the speaking business. Uh, you broke into corporate America by telling some white lies to get hired into the companies. And, yes. and you know, I mean, you talk about faking it until you make it. Talk a little bit about that in your and like where you worked because I mean, you still worked for some pretty big companies, AT and T, Verizon, Wireless. I mean, you were great First in sales. Union. 
Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when I moved, I always thought I had game. My wife would tell you my game's not that good, but I thought I had game. I got her. So, and we're high school sweethearts. We've, you know, loyalty's big to me. We've been together for 23 years now and been married for 19. And then, you know, I've got four kids. My oldest 21. I've got a granddaughter. It's 15 months old and I'm only 40. So I'm, I'm doing good. But is that what it uh, says on social? <laughs> That's what I yeah, say I too. <laughs> well, I, hey, I went from a dilf to a guilt. That's what I, said social, okay? I so, love. That. I love when you say that. <laughs> but uh, we, so we, um, when I got kicked, I got kicked out of school the last day of tenth grade, and I passed tenth grade. And uh, you know, during school, I would help my dad deliver papers. So he worked at AT and T third shift most of the time, sometimes second shift. And when he did second shift, I'd help him deliver papers at night. It was an extra hundred bucks, hundred twenty bucks he'd make. I would be working at Boston Market. I would still go to school. I mean, it's just what we did, right? So my mom would work at a you know a, a Harris Teeter Bakery, and that's how we. I mean, that's just that was normal to me. And then I'd go to school, so I'd be delivering papers with the middle of the night till three or four in the morning. So I had this hard work ethic. When I, then when I um, got my heart broken in 97, early 97, yep, I, uh, I was supposed to graduate class in 98. I, when I got kicked out of school after 10th grade in 96, I decided I could either go get a GED, do nothing, or go to Stanley Community College and do the high school diploma program. Yep. So I went to Stanley Community College, I did the high school uh, diploma program, and because I had an injury in a landscaping truck where I got like $4,000, which was enough to pay my insurance for like 10 months. So I had this $300 car. The, the insurance was more than what the car was worth. So uh, needless to say- What kind of say, car was I it? It was an 85 Dodge Lancer. It was about five colors. The insulation would be falling out of the top. <laughs> the acceleration was broken. I mean, it was bad. I, I got it painted at Econo for 200 bucks when I got the money. <laughs> um, but so I- I went to school morning and night to get it done. Like, you know what? I can get this done. So I'm opening the books and it was Mickey Mouse and you'd fill out a form. You're not learning anything. I didn't get to do graduation, get to prom, none of that stuff. But I had a diploma from Stanley Community College. Well, in 97, I got my heart broken and Liz broke up with me at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to drive to Arizona and I'm going to go to college. I'm going to take my SATs. So I go to my parents and I sold them on this idea in the same day. Hey, I'm leaving Arizona tonight, taking my buddy Kenneth with me. We're driving across country. We're good. They're freaking out. I'm like, I got this. So they sign over parental rights. I talked them into this to go to my, uh, that, uh, one of my best friends who bought my old house, his family bought our old house in Arizona. I was going back to live in my old house with my best friend, with his parents in my old room, as ironic and crazy as that is. <laughs> and so we drive three days, 36 hours, you know, 12 hours a day to Arizona and we get there and I'm 17 years old, no cell phones, none of that jazz. And I get there and I'm starting to take the SATs and I'm trying to figure out how I can try to go to college to ASU. And I've got all these plans and my best friend's a senior in high school. And I said, I'm bored. This sucks. So I talked to Mary and Eddie at the time and I, I convinced them to, Hey, look, I've got these transcripts that say I graduated, but let's go make five cent copies at the gas station. And let's make sure it doesn't say I graduated, but I still have the credits so I can go to high school with everybody else and be a senior and see what that's like. No, you don't need to do that, mijo. I'm like, yes, I do. I've got this. We can do this. So I talk her into it because she felt bad for me. And so I got to go to school when I wasn't supposed to for like three months. And I took classes like computer and business and extended long lunches. And uh, I got this job with my business partner now, Kevin Klink. 
and we were selling credit card protection over the phone. I saw he was rolling in this like brand new neon with Dayton's and I'm like, Kevin, <laughs> this guy's got money. So I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm selling, you know, telemarketing. I'm selling credit card protection. I'm making like 400 bucks a week. I'm like part-time. He's like, yeah, I'm like, dude, I want in. So I go there and they've got like a hundred employees and me and him for the next like six, nine weeks are number one and two in the company back and forth. And we're making four or 500 bucks a week part-time. So I got a taste early of what sales was like, calling people saying, I see you got this credit card, but you don't have protection and you learn it, right? And you yep. get motivated and you're hungry. Well, then we get approached by a company next uh, down the hall that's selling home security. So I'm like, hey, we can do that. So we go get a part-time, we, we change jobs there. I'm making six, 700 bucks a week, basically calling and saying, you know, hey, this is Jason. Do you remember going to the mall and registering for the for the uh, Dodge Durango? Yeah, great news. You're still in the runnings for that. But do you hear this? Look, you've just won a free home security system, free installation. <laughs> Pay a dollar a day for the monitoring. When can we come schedule, do your installation? We'll get you set up, get your prize, blah, blah, blah. We smashed it at that. And then I'm doing well and Kevin's loving it and we're, you know, we're making money. I talked to Liz and I decided to come back to North Carolina. And, uh, so I drive by myself, still 17 and I drive this time. I do it in two days, 18 hour drives each time. And, uh, I get home. And, uh, when I do, I, I, now that I've got sales experience, I'm looking for sales jobs. I can't find any. So I see one at first union, which now is Wachovia, which now I think is Wells Fargo, but it was first union. And it was in Charlotte. They had a CIC center off Harris Boulevard. That was a brand new building that was flourishing with all these jobs. I saw an opportunity to do sales there. Basically, sales is customer service slash sales, where you upgrade people to checking, uh, you know, money market checking accounts and offer them CDs and stuff like that. So I was like, I can do that job. Surely I can do that job. There's no problem me doing that job. So I applied for it, but because you had to have a college education, and because I had a fake ID and I was only 17 at the time, uh, <laughs> you had to be like 21 or 22 to have a college education. I filled out the ID like I was 21, getting ready to be 22, because that's what my ID said. And uh, I filled it out and said I had an associate's degree. And so when I did that, now back in mind, so the listeners and viewers know that they didn't have like real internet like they do now where you can punch something in and find a billion things on somebody. Wasn't like that. Everything took time. It was snail mail. It was ridiculous yep, yeah. back then. So I did this not thinking I was doing anything wrong because I went and I did the interview. I killed the interview. I got the job. I get into training, training for three weeks. The first two weeks, I'm number one. They're allowing us live on the phone. I'm beating everyone on the floor for sales. I'm blowing it out of the water. Like almost like, and remember, this is all legal stuff. But you know when you watch um, Wolf Amer of Wall Street and the guy's on the yeah. phone? And yeah. Like, yeah. It was like, it felt like that. Like they're like, what is he doing? I was just so good on the phone. Yep. And- so HR pulls me to the side and it's like, hey, you know, William Waller, it's William Jason Waller. Yeah, we see we've called UNCC Charlotte and they don't have your your transcripts for your associate's degree. And I said, well, did, did you check under William or check under Jason? <laughs> oh, we checked under Jason. Nope. You got to check under William. So that bought me some time. So now my stomach's in pits. I'm like, oh, geez, I'm nervous. I'm really doing well. I go on the floor. I'm doing well. A week goes into me on the floor. I'm number one. I win an award. My manager pulls me to the side, same conversation. I need to know what's the deal. They can't find nothing. So I came clean with them. And I said, look, uh, no, I don't have a degree. And, the, uh, and I don't even think we talked about age. Uh, but you know, he's like, well, dude, why would you lie? And I said, you guys wouldn't have hired me if I didn't. You wouldn't even gave me a shot. I wouldn't even got the interview. And now look, I'm the number one rep 
You're the number one manager. So now I'm selling him on why this is a good thing. And he's like, don't ever do that again. And he was a mentor for me. I worked there like nine months and I was making 65, 70 grand a year at 17, you know, just turned 18 years old on a job I probably shouldn't have had. And that gave me a taste of what sales and success was to where then I've got a job at AT&T and then, you know, fast forward, I get a job at Verizon when it was Bell Atlantic and I'm one of their number one folks and until I open a business, but it gave me that drive of that's what this looks like. And this is how success can happen. Jason, when I hear that story, it, I, I think about when um, I gave up everything, you know, to be a speaker. But my last job, I was a marketing director for a Fortune 500 company. Yep. And, I, and I started out doing sales. And I remember going in there, I would stand on the tables. I mean, I, was, I just loved what I did. And I was good at it. I was top 50 out of 10,000 salespeople all over the country. I would hit top, top 50 every single week. I'd go in on Saturdays. I'd work Sundays. I just loved it. But then it made everybody mad. You know what yeah. I mean? Because they hated the, that I was successful. But I was passionate. And that's yeah. what I love about you, Jason, is you're passionate. And I have to ask, with over twelve or 1,300 employees, do you look for passion in the people that work for you these days? Do you, yeah. Uh, so like, because, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, no. Because of that story, because I, I'm real big on resumes are fake, right? Absolutely. I, mean, I can up a resume and make me look like a rock star and get a job at a, you know, fortune I, that I should never even dream of. Yep. Resumes are, are overrated. It, you know, it really just gets you into the realm of interviewing. And so we structure our business for our directors and our leaders and our managers to really hire on those things. The why passion. Is this a career? Is it something they believe in? Is it just a job? You know, what drives them? Are they hungry? Yep. You know, people that are complacent, people that don't have a drive, they don't have a why and they don't have passion, they won't fit our model. Our model is not every day we're just doing enough for shareholders. We don't have shareholders. The goal is to go public. But in a company that grows as fast as we did, and thank you for mentioning the Inc. 500, we've won that three out of four years. But, you know, we will do you know, over 400, three to 400 million in sales this year, a billion next year, you know, I would have never imagined anything like this. But the only way you grow like this is we have an 80-20 rule. 80% of the staff we want to keep every month, we want to churn and burn the bottom 20. People that it's just a job, they're not doing enough, they don't care, they don't have the passion, they're not putting in the effort, they're cancerous, they're destroying the brand, they're holding everyone else down. We enable and empower our directors to hold KPIs for everybody down and to make them accountable. And I believe life, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a job, whether it be a business, is like golf. We all have the sand bunkers, we all have the out of bounds, the rough. There's no excuses. You control your shot, you control your score. If somebody is doing 200 sales to somebody doing 10, the one doing 10 sucks, the one doing 200 is killing it, and you need to get people that are closer to the 200 on the team to continue to grow. So as we do that, you know, if you're Microsoft and you don't wanna grow, you wanna stay the same, that's okay, you get great people. We get great people that are hungry and want to move up and want to drive and want to do things. And what's cool is almost every one of our directors and all of our regionals and, and district managers in sales and in production have all started at the bottom. So they have all moved awesome. their ways up where it excites them and they know that there's a path, a career path for them, not only for, for advancement and to feel good, but also to make more money and provide for their family and be a part of something great. So because myself and our team are so passionate about culture and what we're looking for and trying to, and look, it's not duplicate me because there's, you can't have a bunch of the same thing. It never works, Absolutely. but you can find different 
different tools that these people have and you just got to give them a chance and they got to want something. They want to want to be about something. That's the difference rather than go, well, you've got great experience of doing this. I think I'm going to hire you. That does nothing and it's wasteful. And so we try and look, we're, we're still getting better at it, but we try to groom them to ask the right questions, interview the right way. And then what we also do is we just recently started a national uh, training and development group in our company that goes through and works with these managers that maybe they're rock stars, but they've never been managers before because they yeah. moved up to our company. So now we want to develop them how to hold people more accountable, how to structure schedules, how to you know hold meetings. So we're making them better anyways, because we know that's the deficiency. That's what you get. When you get people that are passionate, sometimes they're, and they're hungry and they got all these things that you want, you have to develop the other skills. And I don't think that uh, passion is a, is a developed skill. You either have it and you want it or you don't. You either believe in it or you don't. But we can teach people how to work a computer, how to talk on a phone, how to do process. And that's where we kind of are as an organization. You guys have a mission. That's basically it. I mean, you guys are on a mission. I mean, and, and that's the cool part of this whole thing. I know, Brian, you got a question. Go ahead. Well, first, I was going to argue with you, Jason, on one thing. You forgot with golf. Uh, my golf balls tend to find woods, caves, hornets, nests, all those things. But anyway, regardless of that, I lo- I think we might be related because you've basically described there are two early chapters in, in a book I wrote. One, uh, Number two was have a purpose. If you don't, you're shooting at a blank target. I love that with what you were talking about. The other one was 80-20. I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in where – 20% of the people hijack the meeting and you get nowhere because all they're yeah. going to do, like you said, it's like I yeah, drop the dead weight. If it's not adding purpose or anything of benefit or value to what you're doing, you just got to cut it. And I love that you have that that mentality or that 80-20 rule. I thought that was really, really cool. I, mean, I appreciate say- that. I try, to, I try to run it like a basketball bench, right? If you've got the best team out there, you want to always have the best team and you want to have a great bench. If they're not able to put up points, they're not able to do anything, they're not benefiting the whole team they're not that, that's not helpful and everything's about the brand go ahead no i was, I was just gonna say life is 10 percent of what happens to you and 90 percent of how you react to it i mean yeah. in in a nutshell that's what you're saying i want to know the story about your now mother-in-law when you were dating your wife she did not like you is what i kind of read and I remember hearing or reading a story about her taking you guys out to eat one time and wouldn't even buy you a barbecue sandwich. Likes me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when we, so my wife, my wife had a, wor- a, a tougher childhood than I ever did. I, I will say that. And, and we're open about it. We talk about it a lot more recently. But, you know, she, her and her family had money when she was younger and then her dad went to prison when she was nine. Feds kicked in the door, held them at gunpoint, and um, put him in jail, you know, for money laundering, all kinds of stuff. It was crazy. And I met her when she was 14. She was with her mom and her sister. Her mom was already divorced. Her dad was in prison. And uh, they didn't have a, they had more than we had, but compared to what they used to have, they didn't have a lot. Right. Uh, but they were doing pretty good. And so naturally, I try to defend somewhat. Uh, how her mom felt back then. I'm real strict on my wife, myself, and my kids to ever judge anybody on anything. You don't know anybody's situation. I did a whole podcast about judgment is the worst thing you can ever do. I listened to it. It doesn't matter, right? It it, it was great. Thank you. But with her, um, you know, Liz liked me and her family, her mom and and the rest of her sister and other people would, would be like, why are you dating him? He lives in a trailer park. He can stick his feet out the window, move his house. 
you know, all these things, that's the stuff they would say. So, you know, there's times in your life or people in your life that it pisses you off to drive to where you're really motivated. Yep. And that was during that time, that was one of those boxes or pillars that I had to put as one of my steps to, to make sure that I, I checked off. And when we, they picked me up to go, I, I don't remember, um, it was election year and it was one of those, you go to the church, they had all the politicians there and they have the barbecue sandwiches there off, off Moorhead Road in North Charlotte. And she picked us up and went there. And I remember the feeling, so she bought her and Liz a sandwich and her boyfriend a sandwich or whatever, Ollie, and not me. And I didn't care. Like, I, I don't even care. Yeah, but yeah. My wife, her girlfriend at the time was bothered because I guess she argued with her mom. I could see from a distance. She sits down and she felt bad and she's sharing the sandwich with me like, hey, I'm sorry my mom's being this way. And that feeling that I saw her feel bothered me. Yep. It didn't bother me because her mom didn't like me and buy me anything. It bothered me that she felt embarrassed of how her mom made her feel about me not having a lot. And so that was motivation for me because I didn't like seeing Liz feel bad for me. I don't want anyone to ever pity me. Right. Right. So, right. I don't like to owe anybody anything and I don't like to feel <laughs> any pity. And that was a motivational thing. So long story be told, I mean, we had a big battle for a couple of years. When we first got married, our first marriage, nobody was there except my parents and a buddy of mine and Hannah, my daughter, who was two and a half. It was literally like, hey, Liz, I'm going to buy a house. I know you're dating this guy. I'm dating this girl. We're always cheating on our boyfriends and girlfriends anyways. I don't want to buy this house alone. Why don't you just pick me up and we get married? Really? Yeah. She picks me up. We're normal clothes. We go to the justice of peace. We get married. Then we tell her mom, hey, guess what? We got married and shit's going to change, right? Uh, I'm the husband. You want to be part of this circle? You're going to have to allow us to stay here where we build it. Like all these things, right? So that changed everything when that happened. I think her mom gained some respect for me that I laid the law down. But I motivated myself to every time when I, when I made it, and it, you know, and it was early on, you know, yeah, I was yeah. doing well at Verizon and, and other businesses. Um, I'd never want them to ever pay or buy anything for me. Not that they did ever, ever, That's ever, the part ever, of the story ever, that ever, I ever, absolutely ever. love, Jason. Is I pull that, that card day. out every time. I'm like, I got it, guys. Hey, hey, dinner's, dinner's on me. It's on me. Here you go. Every time. Every time. That's That's I love awesome. that. I, lo- I, I love how, and again, I didn't want to bring up the, you know, that story for, for the negative side no, of it. But, but, but the I'm, back no, end okay of it, it. It, yeah. it is, again, goes back to your, the, the passion that that little nugget motivated you to be like, hey, listen, from now on, you will never ever pick up a, a, a tab again ever with yep. me and my wife and with my family that's, right. that's the part that i love man my my, my my dad didn't have a whole lot but 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 he he always he, he always told me he goes when you go out you have enough for everybody yeah. you don't have just enough right. for yourself and you, you know, I just it, remembered yeah. that. It's like, you know, so Jason, we're going to have some fun with you right now. Brian, um, we like to call it. Uh, I call it this or that. And this is perfect because don't overthink anything. Kind of like the marriage you just explained where you said, just call yeah. it up and say, we're going. <laughs> Same thing with this. There's, I have nothing to give you anyway, so there's no prizes or anything. But <laughs> what I'm going to, I am going to keep track though, because I'm gonna, we're going to prove once and for all if, if, if we're related, because I'm starting to wonder right now. <laughs> So don't, well, hey, you know my dad's from here, so you. It's I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder, my friend. I'm starting to wonder. So don't overthink. Just pick one, and I'll keep track. Here we go. Ocean or lake? Ocean. 
Baked potatoes or mashed potatoes? Mashed potatoes. Rolling Stones or the Beatles? Rolling Stones. Ugh. Beer or whiskey? <laughs> Beer. Actions or words? Actions. Here's a toughie. Ready? Hated for who you are or loved for who you're not? Hated for who I am. Johnny Cash or Kenny Chesney? Ooh, Johnny Ooh. Cash. <laughs> Sharks or dolphins? Sharks. Skittles or Starburst? Skittles. Golf or putt-putt? Golf. Yeah, because you can drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> and <Couple>. cigars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Friday the 13th or Halloween? Friday the 13th. Superpower, time travel or invisibility? Invisibility. And finally, would you like to be the reigning champ or the underdog? I'd rather be the underdog. Yes, I knew it. All right. Out of 13, we have 10 the same, Jason. It's very possible, dude, that we're... That's <laughs> a, a lot. I'm not what three fe- didn't we have? I, I th- Come on. The Beatles? There is no better band than the Beatles. <laughs> ever. There's no Stones without the Beatles. Uh, the other one, I go Starburst. And uh, I chose, if I can be on top, I'm staying on top, reigning champ. Yeah. So other than that, we were dead on. Yeah, and, and I, Jason, you know what it is? I need doubt. I need doubt, and I need to be pushed because when I I don't like to be comfortable. I yep. just yep. I don't. If I'm comfortable, then I'm, I don't feel like I'm being pressured. I need and, the pressure. It's a, it's, it's and a good Jason, point. you know, just so you know, me and you were at like 100. percent Oh, stop. So, so that, that was, but but no, and that and that brings me up to 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 the next thing and what drives you. It's the doubters and haters. Again, it goes back to the way that I am, and I love it when people tell me I can't do something because it will make me mad, and I will make sure that I, I do it and do it so much better. Why is it for you that you love the doubters and haters? Because I feel like in every every business I've opened, even my own family, oh, you're going to do a home security company, whatever. Like No one believes in it where it you almost feel insulted. You feel less than... And I don't get angry. I just get motivated. Yeah. And so along the way, when you're driving on your highway and working your butt off or you're going up your stairs one step at a time, whatever it is, I like to convert those haters into fans, right? There's nothing that feels better. I know this is a sickness. I love that. <laughs> than somebody who hated on you, didn't think you would do it, doubted you to become your biggest fan or even work for you. Like there's nothing bigger than that. Now, I don't hold it over their head. I'm not angry. I'm not rubbing it in their face. But it is the biggest compliment because not only did I convert you of saying I couldn't and I wouldn't and I shouldn't, but now you're all in wanting to help me get there either by watching or being a part of it and doing what I need you to do. That is exhilarating. It feels like you've changed the entire outlook on their perception of you by hard work and not fighting back or hating back or running your mouth, but by proving while they're busy, you know, you always know horse racers, your horses when they're racing, they got their blinders on. Haters like to watch everybody else do stuff and complain. And winners like to just work and then, oh, okay. And bring them along. So um, that's, it's just a motivational thing for me. It, I need that. It's happened in business and peers, competitors, you know, it's happened even, you know, before you get married, you got girlfriends. I mean, you know, oh, you can never get that girl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, a, you, you, you think of, 
you think of Back to the Future with Marty McFly. You know, they call him chicken. Yeah. I almost feel like when they're challenging me and say they can't do it, it's like my version of they just called me a chicken. Like, what? Yeah, yeah I can. Like, we're, we can't be limited by what people tell us. And I think that's the biggest message for people is when people tell you you can or can't, that's because they're insecure and they can't. And that doesn't mean you can't. And I think that's where I try to strive really well on. Well, Jason, do me a favor. Can you? Uh, can I get some Jason therapy then? Because that was the one that we had different. I like reigning champ because I like to stand on the top and say, "Come get it." If you yep. think you can take it, come take. You know, get it for me. But Maybe I, I need. Look, that's I'm my signal. That. No, all I'm right. Not against that. If you want the belt, you got to beat the best. All right. So I don't. All right. So I, I don't need therapy. That's outstanding. All right. Good. <laughs> but, I, but for me, being up top, you know. So this podcast morphed. Our business is flourishing and it's booming. Yep. And I've got a great team. I'm a big believer in you can't be a single person. If you want to grow something great for everybody in the company, you got to have great leaders, great teammates, great employees. It's not a one man show, right? Yep. And so by no means is it my show. Um, I mean, I help. I pick the final decision because I'm a power freak, right? A control freak. <laughs> but... I everyone we have I have people smarter than me. I didn't know what EBITDA was two years ago. I didn't know how to structure HR or compliance or deal with Salesforce. All these things that I'm not good at. You hire people smarter to do that, and they make you they make you more intelligent to do that. When you get to the point where things are flowing, and I do what I do best now is do the sales meetings to motivate, do the vision, negotiate contracts with NFL teams, whatever it is that I'm doing that I love and keeping the, the organization motivated and holding the executives accountable. I feel like I'm at the top. I get bored. Now it's like, come get it. But sometimes you get too high on that mountain. People aren't coming for you. So I don't want to get bored and wither away. I love the, well, you're at this mountain, but can you get that mountain? I need that. Everyone's different. And I totally agree with when you're on top, it's good to tell people to come get it, but I still need to keep going. My therapist, I, I see a therapist and I'm good with that. Just talked to her a little bit ago. She always <laughs> states, you never enjoy your journey. You keep pushing the destination further. That is my strength and my weakness in life. And I'm okay with that because I don't, you know, I, I want to keep the journey going and it's not about how much money I make or how big the company gets, you know, for, for power home, I want to be able to have an impactful transaction that impacts all of our employees and is life changing for them. Hundreds of thousands of dollars for every employee would be a game changer. Yep. Google did it. Microsoft did it. Why not power home? Right. That would be winning for me. I don't care if we, if I make a billion dollars or a hundred million, it doesn't matter. I'd never spend it anyways. I lived in it. It doesn't matter to me. So that is hard to find and i rally around people that believe and feel the same way as me but that's what keeps that journey or that mountain to keep going because otherwise i could sit up top and go well no one's you know there's a couple companies that are public but private there ain't a company like us come yeah i get it come get it but i don't think i need that i personally need to keep moving Jason, I always say that, you know, I don't, I never want to climb the mountain alone. I want to get to the top of the mountain with as yeah. many people as I can possibly bring with me. And I want to have a freaking party on top of the mountain, not <laughs> yes. sit there by myself and say, look what I did. Because that ain't you're no right. freaking fun, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so, and, and so, and so, Jason, you just said this. You're like, you walk in to to your family, or you walk in to uh, your your business, and, and you're the motivator. You're you're the guy that 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 pumps everybody up and motivates them and and inspires them. But listen, Jason, we all have those days. We all have those days where life kind of beats us up, whatever that may be. Who is it that you go to and that you look for the motivation or that kick in the when, when, when you need it, who motivates and inspires Jason Waller? 
I would say um, my wife. I mean, you know, we <laughs> have, an- good we have the Bonnie and Clyde story. I mean, you know, when I'm too hard on my kids or unreasonable sometimes because my expectations are always evolving, you know, she's got to reel me in. She's the only one that stands up to me where a lot of people, you know, she shoots me straight like, no, that's BS. You've got to do this better. You got to yep. you got to handle this. You know, I, I use my son as an example. He, he is a little protege of me. Um, but we're different. He has a lot of anxiety like his mom does. Um, he aspires to be a leader. He's much smarter than I was at 10. He's definitely more athletic, but he, he struggles sometimes following people or making bad decisions. And, you know, I would get frustrated. Oh, you're grounded or I'm going to beat your butt. All these things. And my (laughs) wife pulled me aside not too long ago. And she's like, dude, you got to learn to talk to him. Because yeah. you'll go talk to everybody, but you're like threatening and being mean and doing this. And, you know, that's what I was raised in, right? Like you're yep. going to get your butt beat or you're grounded. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to learn to communicate. So you got to talk to him more. And believe it or not, I mean, he's 10. The conversations we have, it's like he's 30. I go yeah. in there and he's like, hey, then this has evolved the last six months for us. Hey, dad, I just want to tell you about my day. And I think I might have done this wrong, but I want to learn from it. I told this kid he shouldn't do that. And what do you think about this? And how should I handle that? And can we do prayer tonight? And hey, dad, thanks for letting me come to you. And so when he does something bad, I kind of hear about it. And I'll be like, dude, that's not good. Maybe you should take a break for the day. I appreciate you telling me, but let's talk through it. It has evolved our relationship to where he's a mature young boy who gets it. He's way more mature than his friends now because of it. And he's evolving and it's allowing me to evolve. I'm trying to do it more with my girls. My older girls, they've already they've been tainted. They're like, dad, whatever. I don't want to hear it. But I'm trying in work when I'm, I always have a thing. Now, I don't have any regrets and I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, in life at home, I struggle making decisions in work, business, friends, money. Don't struggle. In my personal life, I struggle. I'm like, oh, should I do this or not? I struggle. And that's where I lean on my wife. Anything else outside of that, when I make a decision, I'm on. I don't reverse it. I don't think about it. I don't second guess it. However, I'm known to be a hothead. I'm known to be a prick. I'm known to be in people's face like Tasmanian devil. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? What's going on? Why the, Don't make excuses like I'm an ass sometimes. So the only guilt I have or sometimes my wife's like, you know, you're a little rough on that person or you need to, she brings me back and keeps me between the buoys. So that motivates me. And I just want her to be proud of me and not let her down. So that, that keeps me going. You know what I mean? And my kids yep. like that, that keeps me going and really our employees. Yeah. You know, when we get stories of somebody who came in, you know, we had a story, Tim Unesco was living in his car and now he bought his second house. He's got a family. You know, we had another, all these people, they buy homes. They tell, we love to share those stories because that's what it's about. When you can impact someone's life. And I know that's Amen. why you do this, John. Yep. So you can, you can touch people that you can't buy that. You can't make enough money to feel that feeling that you give to give back and help people prosper or get over something or not be negative or not be depressed. That's right. That is a great feeling. And that, that also drives me as the employees of our company. Jason, um, you know, speaking of that, as you're telling me that story, I, I remember watching a video of you and your son going to get his uh, first haircut um, after this whole COVID thing. And um, when you were able to go get a haircut and you were you and your son were, I believe, in, in your wife's Ferrari and um, and you could just see the smile 
on his face hanging out with dad. Why, why I'm talking to you right now, I'm getting goosebumps because that video spoke a million words of happiness of your son hanging out with dad and doing dad things with his son. So I'm proud of you. I don't even know you, but I'm proud of the man that you are. And, and, and Jason, you know, people often say, you know, it, when I get this, I've made it. Or people that don't have it, they're like, well, if I got that, I would be happy. Jason, have you gotten to a point in your life that you feel like you've made it? Or is that carrot constantly in front of you as a businessman, as a man, you know, at home? Have you made it yet? Uh, I would say no. I, I, like, I'm not fulfilled. I believe success is, is fulfilling your whole of happiness and figuring that out. And uh, when I had less, when life was simple, I seemed more happier, right? Yep. And not recently, like recently I've really worked on relationships at home, you know, cause you give, you dedicate your body and soul to work and grinding and making sure your family can live the best life they can or go to private schools and have nice things, especially from a kid growing up, didn't have anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want these nice things. You know, to truth be told, my wife's the car hound, not me. Um, <laughs> You know, it, truth be told, I wait I a second. I saw, I, I saw your blue Lambo, man. I mean, you, you I mean, she didn't go but buy she it for you. Did she? Out. No, she, did, did she come on, know? Jason. Come <laughs> on, you just said that you're a control freak. You just said, I you go, I'm a control let, let freak. I love it. So, one of our biggest arguments of our entire marriage, our entire marriage, when we first got married was she couldn't keep a car for a year. It was buying another car, we would fight, and i go, honey, we are up so upside down in these damn cars, what are you doing? And I drove the simplest piece of forever and didn't care, and she was like, she loves them. Look, she likes that, I don't. However, I'm not gonna say, I don't like it now that I got it. I, said, yeah. I didn't want it as much as she wanted it, right? So, yeah, yeah. But I will tell you that to, to, to fill me up, and you know, when I had less, things were simpler and my again to my therapist she's like you know it's true the more successful you get the more stuff you buy and the more you know more things you get the let the, the harder it is to be happy and that's a true mm -hmm. statement and i don't want to become that person i'm not that person i don't want to become that person it's not about tangible items for me right. you know i, I want to be able my kids can live a comfortable life i can live a good life i can give them things i didn't have i can give them opportunity that i didn't have uh, but realistically uh to make it is when I get every one of those employees to change their life. We're talking 1200 by the time we do it, 2,500 employees. And even then I feel like I'm not done. I just, I just want to touch as many people, help as many people promote life. Life is bad. Sometimes we see the news with everything going on in the world, yep. COVID, everything, everything's bad. Yep. I just want to be able to have relationships and be impactful and help people. And I think that, I want to grow old and, and be close. And my dad is a great, you know, grandfather. And he was a, he was a good dad. Um, I want to be a, a, a better dad than him. And I want my kids to be better parents than us. And I want to be a better grandpa than him. And that's, I don't know if I can, cause he's like the best grandpa. The <laughs> Same thing with my mom, but I want to be like that and better. And I believe the next generation should always be better. And I tell my kids, like, I don't want to set the bar for them where they've got to be successful making money or doing things. They need to be successful being happy. When Alex asked my daughter Hannah to marry him, you know, Alex came from a broken home and not a lot of things. And he's a great kid. Um, he's a better dad than I was at 21. He's a better fiance than I was at 21. Well, I got married at 2021. 20, you know, I, I will tell you that he's come a long way. Now, he doesn't really work. He just started working again for the company. But I told him when he asked her, I said, I don't care if you push 
a broom at Walmart, you take out trash, you mow lawns, or you create the next thing in your Bill Gates. I don't care as long as my daughter's happy and as yep. long as she's safe. And then a few months later, they got pregnant and then they had Lily and so I'm a grandpa. And I will tell you that he's done a pretty good job of making them happy. Internally, as a man, he struggles because he wants to provide more. But that's not what this is about. That's it's right. about enjoying the time with your family, your friends, and making better decisions and helping people out when you can. It's what I love what we do, doing solar. It's changing the world. It's saving the planet. It's saving people money. We're giving people jobs. You know, we give a lot back in philanthropy. we got a thing called Give Power where every system we give 40 bucks to a third world country where they build a solar water farm. And each one, I think we're now have donated enough for three that we get to help build is 35,000 cups of water for people a day, clean wow. water in this world. Congratulations, awesome. man. We've done, That's awesome. thank you, military makeover. Anytime we can give back, it's so important. And <laughs> I am not greedy. People that know me, yeah, I have nice stuff. I've earned it. I have no debt. I've worked my butt off for years. And yep. finally, as a, as a 40 year old grandpa, my midlife crisis was buy some cool cars, dye my hair blonde. Okay, <laughs> I've moved on. Now it's about not being greedy, giving back and making sure we get to that point. And I think to, to finish your question, I haven't made it yet because until everybody who I can touch in my life, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get to that point. I want to make sure that they're able to make it. And I just want my kids to live their best life to the fullest they can and be happy. I don't want them to feel intimidated like they're going to let me down because they didn't go to college or they didn't open a business or I, it's not about that to me. It's about them being loving and better than me. That's it. Jason, I'm not trying to play on your emotions right now. When, when I tell you this, I've spent 23 years building the motivational cowboy brand. Uh, and, and I, and I'm talking about, you know, I was booked 257 days this year to, to speak all over the country. And, and, and I, I missed a lot of my daughter's stuff because, you know, she came from a broken home. Me and her mom were only married for a year and a half, but it was always, you know, dad, mom, and Frankie, her stepdad. The three of us raised my daughter to be the incredible person that she is today. And you talk about your therapist. My daughter is a clinical psychologist. So unfortunately I got one that uh, lives, um, you know, a couple miles yeah. away from me that I oh, see yeah. all the time. But, but, but here, but here's what I mean. You, you know, again, we, 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 I've gone through the, the phases of the boats, the Harleys, the nice things and everything else. But since this COVID thing, you know what the coolest thing is, is going over just like yesterday to help my daughter paint the house and getting a text message, getting a text message that night after she got back from her run and her workout and everything else, why I was busting my, you know, <laughs> and she's like, dad, the room looks incredible. I just oh, want to say, I love you. That's awesome. Thank you. It had nothing to do with money. Nothing yeah. to do with money. And you know what? I, again, it's the chills that I get on my back of knowing that I did the right freaking thing with my kid because I'm raising yeah. her the right way. Well, that and can't I was thinking you just said it. Jason said it. You know, music. I'll connect everything with music, Jason. I'm just telling you that right now. So if we're going to start hanging out, you know, since we're related, um, just understand it. Kansas answered this a long time ago and dust to the wind. All this crap means nothing. What That's are you right. going to do with right. it? it? Ain't going anywhere. That's right. I, I have to ask, though, Jason, and again, another an analogy. Uh, when Johnny invites me here, every time we're on here, we're filled with dreamers. I'm a big dreamer. Johnny is. You are. People we've talked to. Is there something up in that, in that, in that brain of yours right now that is your Sergeant Peppers? And what I mean by that is that's often considered not only the greatest, album, greatest Beatles album, but the greatest, <laughs> not Rolling Stones, greatest Beatles album of all time and the greatest record of all time. 
Is there an idea floating around up there in your brain since you're constantly pushing the envelope that is your Sergeant Peppers? And you literally have a minute and a half to uh, to answer that question. <laughs> and that's plenty of time. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I mean, the the idea that I have up there to, to really be game-changing, evolutionize everything is when electric cars come out, what we're doing with battery storage and, and with our company, um, I, cool. I'm excited about what that technology is going to do and how you know, all utility companies eventually will be renewable and people will be able to have more renewable energy at their house and be able to charge their cars. Um, I, you know, I want to be part of that. We're always forward thinking. I want to be a part of that evolution of, of people, you know, charging their cars at home. And then it, it you know, as an idea for the family is I, I want to invest and help my kids do things to help the world, um, whatever it is and what they want to do. I want to set it up to where they can enjoy their life not have the stress or the hardship that maybe, you know, the three of us have gone through and uh, they can enjoy the moments that we have missed, but, but we're trying to get back with our kids. Right. Yep. So that's, that's that, awesome. that is, you know, to, to push that forward and to make sure they don't, they don't miss those opportunities, everything I can do to help provide them for that. I don't want to raise brats. I don't want them being judgmental. I don't want them being lazy. I don't want them taking advantage of it. And I don't want them to think there's a free lunch because life doesn't meet you halfway. But I want them to better other people and to feel good about what they do every day. And I just want to help them get there. Man, amen. I, I, I couldn't even say it any better. Jason, just real quick. I, first of all, I want to say thank you for, for, for telling us a little bit about yourself, your inspirational, your motivational story. But how can people follow you on social if they want to reach out so, to you right now? Yeah. Thank you. So the company's Power Home. So you can check out powerhome.com or check out Power Home Solar uh, it, on Instagram or Facebook. And then I've got the podcast True Underdog. You can go to trueunderdog.com or you can go to Jason Waller on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, on Instagram, it's Jason Waller, bam. And then on Facebook, it's <laughs> Jason Waller. Hey, has anybody ever told you that you, I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've interviewed Guy Fieri a few different times over, over, over the years. Do you get that a lot? I just, I just had to ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I and, and look, if Guy ever watches, dude, I'm a little better looking guy. I'm just letting you know. I'm a little better looking, baby. That's it. He makes Jason, better food. I look better. That's right. Jason Waller, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing your story, man. And I, I'm only a, a quarter a quarter of my, of the way through my notes. So I got to have you back on here because I want to touch on a whole bunch more stuff. Brian, I can't thank you enough for, oh, thank you. for uh, you know, thank hanging you, out Brian. with me. And oh, thank you, Jason. It's finally to uh, connect. I'll be talking to you soon. You know, talk about family, yeah, you, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you guys uh, hit me up and, and DM me on Instagram and Facebook and let's connect. And I like this setup you got here. This is cool. I like it. So well, next time, I definitely want to pick your brain and see what I can do better. Yeah. Well, next time I want you to uh, come to the studio. That way we'll, I can. We, we, I, I'll, I'll pull that off. Yeah. There we go. Cool. Well, hey, everybody. I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. I can't thank you enough to, for listening to my podcast. Thanks for listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast. Follow Johnny D on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Motivational Cowboy. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, advertise, or would like to make a donation, please visit MotivationalCowboy.com. And remember to have an outstanding day.